Jesus confronted religious hypocrisy because he doesn't want us to get into the mode where we think that the outward appearance of our righteousness can cover an empty reality of our hearts and our lives. Jesus isn't looking for fakers. He's calling us to be followers, followers of him, where we are truly more concerned about being righteous than just appearing to be righteous. So I thought after this month of generosity and us doing good deeds, it would be good for us to be reminded of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your copy of God's Word, turn to Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus confronts religious hypocrisy. And he, he points out the problem with religious hypocrisy. He points out the fact that religious hypocrites have the only reward they will ever have. If you're a religious hypocrite living for the applause of people, living for the approval of people, living for the reward that comes from people bragging on you when there is no inward reality, then you've got your reward You've got it from people, you've got it in this life, and that's the only reward you will ever have. God doesn't reward religious hypocrisy, faking it, pretending to be someone that you are not really on the inside. So as we turn to Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, Jesus puts it this way, Beware of practicing your, relig- your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Let's pause there for a moment. Jesus says, beware. Pay attention to this. Be careful that you don't fall into the trap of practicing your righteousness, doing righteous things before other people in order to be seen by them. And that's the key. It is not that Jesus is saying there's something wrong if other people see you doing good things. What is wrong is if that's why you're doing the good things. If you're doing good things just to be seen by other people in order to be applauded by other people, you have become a religious hypocrite. In fact, the word for seen in the Greek language of your New Testament is the word we get our English word theater from. Jesus is saying, don't act like you're an actor on a stage putting on a play, playing a role, trying to appear righteous when you're not really righteous on the inside. Don't do that. Pay attention. Be careful. Beware that you do not practice your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. He says, for then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven God the Father does not reward fakers. God the Father does not give out Academy Awards for the greatest displays of piety. God the Father is ready to reward His people, His children, when they live out a genuine life where they love God and they love their neighbor. But God's not going to reward religious hypocrites. The only reward you're going to get is the reward you get from people. If that's what you want, that's what you will get. Now, if you're astute, you already know that maybe, maybe there's some clarification we need about Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. 
Because it sounds like it contradicts something Jesus just said in the previous chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Remember where Jesus said, we're the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. And then in verse 16 of Matthew 5, he said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Is Jesus contradicting himself? On one hand, he says, let other people see your good works. And now he's telling us, beware lest you practice your righteousness before other people to be seen by them. Well, there's no contradiction. Jesus hasn't forgotten what he just said a little earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. The key to understanding it is the motivation of why you do what you do. Whenever you live your life in such a way to glorify God, that's a good thing. But if your motive is to glorify yourself, that is a bad thing. If your motive in trying to do what you do is to make yourself look good, God's not interested in that. Because remember, every good gift you've got came from God. You wouldn't be able to do anything if it weren't for God. When it's all said and done, it's not about us. It is about our good God who has given us this opportunity to do good, to bring glory to his name. That's the motive. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is confronting that tendency that we sometimes have as his followers to hide And Jesus says, no, whenever you're tempted to hide your relationship with me, let it shine so that people can see the change I've made in your life and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. That when you leave, they're not bragging on you, they're bragging on your Father in heaven. But he warns in Matthew chapter 6, if you're tempted to let it shine and brag about yourself, you better beware because it's not about you. It's about our Father in heaven. It's about glorifying God. And you can't be a religious faker. Sometimes whenever we want to share what we've been doing as a church, there's this tendency, these verses come to my mind and, and they, they, they remind me to be cautious about my motives. And they may remind you to be cautious about your motives. For example, is there anything wrong with taking a selfie when we're working at Lone Star Elementary or when we're packing food. I don't think so. If your motive is to give gratitude to God for the opportunity to love God and love others in this practical way. I don't think there's anything wrong with it if your motive is to inspire other followers of Jesus to love and to good works. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it if you're wanting to portray a positive witness to a world that is often so filled with negativity towards Christians and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if your selfie becomes a truly selfie, if it's all about you, making you look good when there's no inward reality of your righteousness, then God's not going to reward that. You got your reward. You got your likes on Facebook. You got your likes on Instagram. But if you did it for that, you better enjoy it. Because that's as good as it's going to get when it comes to rewards. So go back to Matthew chapter 6. And here in the few verses we're going to read together, Jesus gives us three examples of practicing our righteousness that he assumes we will do. Nothing wrong with these things. In fact, he says repeatedly, when you do this, when you do this, when you do this, here's what not to do, 
Here's why you shouldn't do that, and here's how to do it right. And specifically, he talks about the three areas of praying and giving and even fasting. He starts with giving. Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, Jesus says, Thus, when you give to the needy, Jesus assumes his people will be givers. And if you're not a giver, you might want to question that. He says, Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, listen to this, they have received their reward. So Jesus is talking about giving. He says, so when you give, don't sound a trumpet. That's what the hypocrites do. That word hypocrite means one who hides behind a mask. It's from the Greek plays where one actor would play multiple roles in the play and he would change roles by changing masks. And Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite. Play in a different role when you're in public than who you really are in private. He says, so whenever you're giving, for example, don't sound a trumpet. Now, most Bible scholars believe this isn't literally taking a musical instrument we call a trumpet and blasting it. It could be that. More than likely, though, Jesus is referring to the practice of going into the temple and giving your offering, your coins, at the temple treasury. In Jesus' day, they were trumpet-shaped receptacles that were wide at the opening and became more narrow as they entered the chest or the box where the money was collected. And whenever people would throw in their coins, it would sound the trumpet. And if you gave a lot... Or if you wanted to draw attention to yourself, you would really throw it in so that people could hear it all over the temple. That guy just gave. He must have given a lot. Did you hear that? And Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites who sound the trumpet so that they will be praised by others. And Jesus warns, if that's the way you give, then you've received your reward. That's as good as it gets. Enjoy the applause of people because you will hear no applause from heaven if you gave it just to impress the people around you. Verse 3, he says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Jesus says, Be so selfless and so uh, unconscious of yourself that whenever you give, your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing, that you give and you forget it. That it's not calculated. How can I give this in such a way to draw the most attention to myself? No. You give because you're motivated by God's love and gratitude, and you give and you go on. You give whether anyone notices or not. You give whether anyone says thank you or not. You give whether the pastor mentions your name from the stage or not. You give whether they name a building after you or not. It's amazing. People, I'll give, but you know, I need that building named after me. Thank God no one in our church does that. But there are people that say, really? Really? <laughs> that's, that's what motivates your giving? Is to have your name in lights or on a plaque or on a pew? Jesus says, no, no. In fact, he says in verse 4, so that your giving may be in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
He says, nobody else may know what you're doing, but God the Father always knows, and he will reward that kind of selfless giving that is about glorifying God, not glorifying yourself. There again, is there something wrong if someone saw me drop my money in the offering plate or in the offering receptacle today? Oh, no. Did I lose my reward? No. But if you made a show of it, hey, everyone, just want you to know, here's what I'm going to give today. Then, yeah, you got your reward. I hope you enjoy it. It doesn't get any better than that. And you've just missed out on the true rewards that money can't buy Death can't take away the reward of God saying, well done. No one else sees, knows. You didn't do it for them. You didn't do it to make yourself look good. You did it out of gratitude for me. Well done. That's the kind of reward you ought to live for. So here's a question you might want to ask yourself. Do I continue to give when no one notices or says thank you? That's a good question. Do I continue to give when no one notices or says thank you? Thank you. So he talks about giving, but then he, he gives a second example of practicing your righteous deeds, and that is when you pray. Look at uh, verse 5. And when you pray, here again, he's assuming you will be a person of prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. Why do they do that? That they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus says, whenever you pray, don't turn it into a performance. Don't talk to an audience of men. When you pray, you're talking to an audience of one. It's about talking with God. It's about communing with God. It's about confessing your sin before God. It's about declaring your dependency on God. It's about you and God. There again, is Jesus condemning any form of public prayer? Do we need to call Joe and do we need to call Craig back up and tell them they need to repent before this whole body because they led us in prayer this morning? Hypocrites. Is that what, is that what Jesus is saying? No. Because Jesus prayed publicly. His disciples prayed publicly. Acts, the book of Acts, showed them together in a public prayer meeting. And the Holy Spirit comes in a powerful way. The kind of prayer Jesus is condemning and forbidding here is the kind of prayer that is more about what people hear and think of you than about talking with God. That's the kind of prayer Jesus is concerned about. Religious hypocrites were more concerned about their outward prayer time when they really didn't pray as a practice in their private time. Listen, if the only time we pray is in public, we might be hypocrites. In fact, Jesus says in verse 6, he said, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. They pray to their pagan gods with all of these words, all these repetitions, formulas. And Jesus says, don't be like that. There's got to be reality here, not just a performance Verse 8, do not be like them, 
for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Verse 9, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's the Lord's prayer. It's the model prayer. It's a prayer that Jesus says, pattern your prayers like this. And he mentions why forgiveness ought to be a part of our prayer life. Verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. One of the biggest indicators of a hypocritical life is that you demand and expect forgiveness from God, but you're not willing to give it to others. Jesus says that is the height of hypocrisy. To want God to forgive you of your sin and you're not willing to forgive someone of theirs. So here's a question. If you don't want to be like these hypocrites, ask yourself this question. Do I spend more time praying in private than in public? Do I spend more time praying in private than in public? If my prayer time is limited to our life group and that's it, and I don't pray any other time during the week, I'm a hypocrite. I'm trying to be perceived as more spiritual than I really am. And then Jesus goes on from the righteous acts of, of giving and praying, and he talks about fasting. This is a terrible time to preach on this right after Thanksgiving. But fasting is when you would abstain from food in order to uh, focus on God. It's a spiritual discipline. And here Jesus says in verse 16, and when you fast, he assumed his followers would fast at times. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Jesus says some people fast and they want you to know it. They want you to know it by that miserable look on their face. Oh, so that you'll say, what's, what's wrong? Is everything okay? Oh, I'm just fasting. I'm just getting close with God. Do you fast? That's, they're being hypocrites. They're not fasting to get closer to God. They're fasting to appear more righteous than they really are. They're wanting you to think more of them by their practice of this spiritual discipline. I always remember my first church I ever served as pastor, Elam Baptist Church in uh, or outside of Quitman, Georgia, on the Grooverville Highway. Cemetery was across the street from our church. The church, my first a full-time church put me up in a single-wide mobile home on the church property. And I was a single man, so I'm living there on the property by myself. On a Saturday morning, 5 a.m., someone knocks on my door. I'm 19 years old. Someone knocks on my door on a Saturday morning at 5 a.m. I open the door, and it is a neighbor. He was not even a member of my church. He was a member of Hickory Head Baptist Church up the road. And he said, Pastor, good morning. I was just driving by, and I saw your car, and I just wanted to stop in and say good morning. I, I've already had my quiet time. Do you have quiet time? <laughs> and there I am standing in my pajamas, and I said, it was 
quiet, mighty quiet before you knocked on the door. I was having my quiet time. You know, I don't know his motives, but I know some people, they tell you about what they do spiritually. They tell you about their prayer life. They tell you about their giving. They tell you about their devotional time. They tell you how early they get up in the morning. And sometimes some of those people just very well may be doing it to look better in your eyes than what they really are inside. Don't spoil it like that. And Jesus says, that's, the way, that's what hypocrites do. They do it so others will see them and so others will praise them. And Jesus says, they have their reward. This is as good as it gets. They're not going to get anything from God the Father in heaven. He says, but, verse 17, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Verse 18, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. It's all about Him. It's not about them. It's all about making God look good, not making you look good. It's all about your real relationship with God, not some Facebook or Instagram relationship with God that has been photoshopped. Now, this has to be about you and God. There again, it's not the practice so much. It's the motive that will guide your practice. If you do what you do to be seen by others, you've got your reward. Here's a question for us on this point of fasting. Is the private reality of my spiritual life greater than my public demonstration of it? Is... The private reality of my spiritual life greater than my public demonstration of it. If not, I'm a hypocrite. And the bottom line today is religious hypocrites have the only reward they will ever have. They got it from men and not from God. But I think every single one of us ought to desire to live our lives so that when it's all said and done, we hear God say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of your Lord. There again, this isn't about earning your way to heaven. We're already there because of our faith in Christ. We're saved by grace through faith. This is about living for God with the right motive, bringing glory to Him, truly living for an audience of one, not an audience of men. And let's just be real, real, real honest. Well, how about this? I'll go first. I will be real, real honest. Maybe you're like me. There's a little religious hypocrite in me. I think if we're honest, there's a little bit of religious hypocrisy in all of us. We want to appear better than what we really are. And what we ought to do is to say, dear God, I feel this tendency in my life. God, I've not always gotten this right. In this side of heaven as a saved sinner, I don't think I will ever get it perfectly right. But by your grace, would you help me? Would you help me to focus more on the inward reality of my walk with you and be less concerned about the outward expression of it and what other people think of me? God, I want to live for an audience of one, not for the applause of men. And the, there, there's no easy formula. I can't say, now here's your homework. You go and do this, 
and you'll never struggle with religious hypocrisy again. But I will tell you, the secret is not going out of here trying harder. The secret, I think, is going out of here focusing on Jesus more. Can I tell you, the only one who ever lived perfectly, loving God and loving others perfectly, was Jesus. And I want to be more like him. And it's only going to be by his grace and through the power of his Holy Spirit, through the guidance of his word, through the accountability of his church, that I'm going to be molded into the person that he wants me to be. But I've got to have my eyes on him. Just as it would be wrong for you to walk out with your eyes on other people, other people will discourage you. They'll let you down. They'll disappoint you. Don't get your eyes on other people. Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's going to be the secret. We used to sing a hymn, and uh, it's that, I can't remember all the words of it, but this morning on the way to church, I was thinking about those lyrics. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reminder from Jesus that we are to truly live for an audience of one, not for the applause of men. Father, we don't always get this right. We've often failed. But God, we thank you for your grace and mercy and patience. And rather than leaving here today judging how other people do things or don't do things, let us leave here today turning our eyes upon Jesus, loving him more, getting to know him more, living for him more, wanting to glorify him more. And Father, we know when we do that, you will help us overcome this tendency of religious hypocrisy that's more concerned about appearing righteous than actually being righteous. So Father, we thank you for Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And if there's someone today in this room or someone watching online who's never received Christ, God, we pray that today they would turn their eyes upon him. Not hypocrites and people that have disappointed them, but they would turn their eyes upon Jesus, put their trust and their faith in him. Let him be the Lord and Savior of their life, the forgiver of their sin, the one who's come to give them a life and life more abundantly. So we pray that today they would turn from their sin, place their faith in Jesus, who loves them with a perfect, unhypocritical love. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. If you're new, if you're making a spiritual decision, if I can help you in any way, I'll meet you right here. God bless you. Now I'm going to turn the mic off. <laughs>